Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 202, 202. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, live here on Facebook, uh, as well as on Voice Ed Radio Canada, and wherever you are consuming your podcasts, certainly on iTunes as well. So happy to uh, be rolling today. It is uh, spring break here in New York. It is Easter week. Uh, so I am home today. I'm in the home office. So please forgive any uh, things that go on here. My guest today, she's ready to go. Merlina Valentine from New Orleans. And uh, man, what a story. What a story. I can't wait to talk to her. Um, and she has forgiven me for anything that happens here in the home office. So <laughs> um, all right, show number 202. Let's get rolling. I am Andrew Murata, the host uh, on Education, Leadership and Beyond. Today's sponsor, I am pumped. I am pumped up. The, my third book just came out, Tales from the Hardwood, uh, Leadership Lessons from My Time on the Court. Uh, I was a Division I referee for 20 years, and I am proud. I'm excited to have put these stories uh, in the book. And they're not just stories, right? I'm not just telling stories, but I'm telling stories about leadership experiences. Um, and man, I'm thrilled with how it came out. Um, just thrilled. So it's on Amazon now. I finally got some copies here for, for guests and friends. And uh, uh, we'll see if Merlin is a basketball fan, but we might get that to her. Uh, but Tales from the Hardwood is released uh, on uh, Amazon and all of the uh, um, you know places where uh, you can get books. So, all right. Before we meet Merlin, I want to talk a little bit about hope, right? She has provided hope to so many with her story. And um, I think hope's an acronym. Hold on, possibilities exist. Hold on, possibilities exist. When, when you've been faced with a challenge in your life, right, it's, it's, sometimes it's easier to take that uh, road, right, that it's easier. Uh, or do you turn a negative into a positive? And she has done that in her life. And, man, I'm, I'm excited to talk to her. So today's opening topic is about hope. We as leaders can provide hope. Uh, we have to model hope. And even when we're going through hard times, people are watching, right? Our students, our communities. And how do we provide hope for others? Merlina has certainly done that. There goes something in the house. Merlina has certainly done that. And uh, uh, let's bring her into the show. My mom is watching. Good morning, mom. Thanks for watching the show. And Merlina, welcome to the program from New Orleans. Hi. Good morning. Oh, I still got you muted. Sorry, girl. My bad. All right, let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Excited yeah. to share my message today. Yes, and I'm excited to talk with you, Merlina. Um, and we're going to get to know you through the show here, but give us a brief introduction. I, I mentioned New Orleans. You've been a, a principal and an educator down there. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Merlina. So, yes, I was a lifelong educator over 30 years, having served as a teacher, an assistant principal, a principal, and then finally ended my career as an executive director of elementary schools um, mm. at a district right outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. And since my retirement in 2016, I've been still on a mission. My classroom just looks a little differently. And I am out here um, sharing my message and, and all that I gleaned from my 30 years in education with my fellow educators and inspiring people with my story of survival, courage, and that word you shared, hope. Mm. And you are modeling hope. You're doing it. You're out there. 
Uh, Merlana, I got to meet you through Alex Kajitani's thing, and, and you shared your story, so I learned a little bit. But can you tell us a little bit about, you know, why don't you get started with, with, with what happened to you, right? What you, you know, you were already a great educator, and then you got thrown the biggest curveball that life has to offer. Yes, life tried to give me that plan B without me desiring it. In August of 2007, I was an elementary school principal, 650 amazing little scholars looking mm. to me for their leadership, uh, my leadership. And uh, I was welcoming the families to a new school year at Meet the Teacher Night. I think it's my favorite night of the year. Everybody's so excited about the upcoming year. And I felt this pain in my side and it was excruciating. So I said, mm. I don't rush off to the doctor, but let me get this checked out because it's Monday and Wednesday is the first day of school. I can't miss it. Oh my goodness. Um, I was diagnosed with a kidney stone. And so I wasn't the least bit worried, Andrew, because I, I just knew that that was such a common thing. And that surely, I, I mean, I was a principal that didn't scare me to have a kidney stone. Um, I left there feeling hopeful on Tuesday and I would be seeing a specialist Friday. That's what I was told to decide the course of treatment. But Tuesday night, I became violently ill. It felt like the worst case of the flu ever. Mm. And so I went to the emergency room just to get checked out, spent hours there, was sent home. They weren't sure what happened and what was going on. And I was told to follow up with my doctor. And on Wednesday, that first day of school, I wasn't there. Wow. I couldn't lift up the pillow. I, I barely could breathe. So I went to hospital number two, um, went several hours there and they decided to ambulance me to hospital number three for more specialized care but there things turned critical as i went into major organ failure uh, my heart my lungs my kidneys all shutting down and after many hours there they decided i needed to go to their main campus uh, for critical care at that point and the last thing i remember before being put into a medically induced coma was hearing the doctor say if i'd gotten there 30 minutes later I probably would not be on this call with all of you today. Uh, my family was told I, that night I had a less than 10% chance of surviving the night. And that if I survived life as I knew it, it would never again be the same because the kidney stone blocked my kidney and I was experiencing something called sepsis. A word that I wasn't very familiar with other than having heard it a few short times, uh, but it happened to me. And so infection was ravaging through my body and I definitely uh, wasn't sure what the outcome would be. I spent weeks in the hospital on a ventilator, unable to breathe on my own and months in the hospital fighting, fighting and clawing my way back. And finally, I, I did win the battle. Um, I survived and I beat the odds. However, my life was forever changed because as a result of sepsis and what was needed to save my life, I became a quadruple amputee. I lost both of my hands and both of my legs below the knee. And I set out on a mission immediately following that to say, you know what, there's one thing that I wanna do more than anything. And that is to get back to that building and become the school principal again, to finish what I started and model for my students what perseverance looks like. And that's exactly what I did. I returned to that school building two years to the date of my illness, not just walking in, that's so ordinary. I'm pretty extra. I danced my way back in and I had an incredible end to my career. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Wow, you danced your way back into school. Danced the oh whole way. Oh my goodness, wow. Merlana, one of the things on your beautiful videos, and, and certainly check out her website, um, it's incredible. One of the workers there, a custodian, said, if Principal Valentine can do it, I can do it, 
right? And now people are hearing your message around the country. Uh, you know, how does that make you feel when you when people say that? Well, honestly, uh, the biggest honor in the world was to hear my, you know, that my students felt that way, that there were children who were struggling and having their own challenges and, and facing adversity. And they would come up to me and literally say, if you can be here and you can do this, then I've got to try it too. And I think that's where it all began, the, the feeling that I knew I was left here for a reason and this mm -hmm. is it. Um, to hear it, I'm still humbled. I'm honored because I get to be the reason sometimes why people decide to prove what's possible in the face of the impossible. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to model what it feels like to live in the world of possibilities. And that's what this is for me. It's about me showing people a living, breathing example of perseverance and to saying to them, you know, your story might not be like mine. Your tragedy might not be like mine, but we all have our own storms that we have to deal with. And so we've got to be able to look to what we need to find to be inspired and motivated. And that's what I hope that I am, a source of inspiration and motivation for others to keep going in the face of tremendous adversity and challenges and obstacles. Wow. Wow. Well, you are for me um, and many others. Merlana, you went through countless surgeries. You're in the hospital two years, like all this stuff. Like there had to be some really dark times there for you and, and your husband. We're going to talk about your husband in a moment. Um, when did it hit? Like when did you say, you know, F this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become this role model for for people with, with challenges and disabilities everywhere. Like, when did that happen? Was you know, I was, yeah, I was pretty surprised at how quickly I got to that point, considering that the prognosis was still grim for weeks and yeah. that all I kept hearing were things that I would never do again and how limited my life would be and my quality of life would never be the same. But it was this one particular night I just sat there after hearing the doctors and the nurses discuss my case and they thought I was asleep because I'm sneaky like that. I pretended mm. to be asleep <laughs> so that they could speak honestly because my family was trying to protect me and shield me from the, you know, the raw truth of what was about to happen. Um, and I remember this one night that the doctor said, we may need to call in her family because we're not certain she's going to make it through the night. And I heard those words and I didn't hear those words. And then they exited my room and I, I was there left to look at the clock and watch the hour hand tick. And I kept saying, you know what? I'm gonna make it through this. And, and mm. God had already told me I would make it through this. Mm. And so I, I just decided in that moment that now that I would be given a second chance, because I knew it was coming, that I could not waste a moment on having and hosting pity parties because that would do no good. And, and asking why me? Because who was gonna answer that question? I just decided then it was gonna be why not me? Who else could do this with style and grace? And this was my yes. opportunity to live what I've been preaching to students my entire career that we never give up. And so now I had to walk the talk. And that's the moment I remember that saying to myself, when I get up in this morning, when this clock hits to eight o'clock and my family arrives, even though I can't communicate because I'm on a ventilator and unable to talk, there's this, this face that they're gonna see that says she's determined she's gonna make it through. And honestly, that morning, I remember my uh, family arriving and they're like, you look a little stronger today. You look a little bit more vibrant today. And all I could do was smile behind it all. And in that moment, I decided that there would be um, 
no sorrowful days and no pity party days. It would all be focused on how do you reclaim your quality of life? What will you do to make sure that happens? Doing whatever it takes. And I was determined from that moment on. Wow. I, I got a big mouth, Merlana. I, I'm speechless. <laughs> I am speechless. I am, wow. Well, you're amazing. And, uh, you know, I know you have a, a partner with you who also is amazing. Your husband, Tori, you were not even married when this happened to you. And he he's committed to you and now is your lifelong partner. Tell me about your amazing husband. So, you know, I could talk about him for this entire broadcast because he mm. is the reason and one of the main reasons that I'm able to do what I do every single day. We'd only dated for a year when I became ill. And I, to be honest, I fully expected him to say, I didn't sign up for this. This is not yeah. the life we envisioned or talked about. And so, you know what, I'm out of here. But instead, the minute he could communicate with me, he said, I'm not leaving your side. We're in this together. Uh, he moved. He was an hour away from me when I became ill. He moved to my city so he could support my parents in becoming a caregiver for me. And uh, he never looked back. He left his home, his family, his career. And he said, if I can make your dream possible, then that's what I want to do. And oh, he knew God. I was determined to get back to that building. So he was a little surprised when I told him his role uh, early on in this whole recovery thing is that when I wanted to go back as principal, he said, what do I need to do to make that happen? I said, well, you'll be doing hair and makeup. <laughs> and at first he was surprised because he didn't even realize I wore makeup. I'd only met him a year. He met the representative the whole time. <laughs> so, uh, I said, yeah, but it's enhancing all my natural beauty. Don't worry about it. Right? <laughs> so we worked through that. I looked like Bozo the Clown on his first few tries. He <laughs> gave up. Uh, and all I could do was think about how much I coach people and give feedback and I did it in a constructive way. And so every day, you know, uh, Andrew, I wake up with a makeup artist and a hairstylist who blow dries and flat irons my hair and something he'd never, ever done before. And he was so committed to making sure I had what I needed to be successful. He signed up for every task, every job. Wow. and. We'll be married um, on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, for 11 years now. Mm. And every single day, I wake up thinking, you know what? I'm luckily, you know, the person that was blessed with this man. And I, I feel like every day is our honeymoon because we have this kind of love that just mm. is unconditional that no matter what we're going through we support each other and we have each other's back and it, it's just something that i never envisioned and i'm grateful every day for this man wow wow uh and you very public about it right you put some of those videos of him doing that and god he does a good job you are a beautiful woman Thank uh, you. but yeah that is really a beautiful story people are looking for inspiration marlana and and you touching on it in so many ways, including relationships uh, with your husband. God bless. I, I look forward to meeting him one day. He, he's yeah. got to write his story one day too. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm working on him. He yeah. won't even uh, come on stage, but for maybe five seconds to just let people acknowledge, you know, what yeah. he does and his role. And he has a powerful story because, you know, that support that people need when they're going through something, that's a pretty big role yeah. that you play. And he took it on without any hesitation. Well, I have an invitation for Tori, so we're gonna get we're gonna yeah. get him involved. I'm I'm working on a project for fathers and husbands, and uh, so, but 
that goal, that goal to get back in the building, Merlana, tell me what it was like on that day for you to, and as you say, with style and grace, you danced into the school. Tell me about that moment. You know, I remember when we drove up, I'm a person that music is my um, go-to when I need a little uplifting and inspiration. So my husband and I sat in the parking lot. I always was a person that arrived to work an hour before anyone else was there. And that day I said, let me go extra early because I want my moment. You know, I want my moment. And my staff knew that as well. They knew I'm an early riser and I get there and I get started long before the students ever walk into our building. And I, I sat in the parking lot and I put on my favorite song, Lovely Day. Um, and we kind of sang together and I said, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. And what I didn't realize was that a lot of my staff had gotten there even before me. Um, and they were waiting in the hall with welcome back signs and um, the halls just had a, a new uh, look to them. I've always admired the way that our custodians and everyone uh, took care of our building, but the shine was extra special that day. And mm -hmm. as I looked down that hallway, I just remember thinking I did it. You know, I set out to do this. The Many of the medical professionals were obligated to tell me this was too daunting of a task and that, you know, being a full-time principal with my limitations physically might be too challenging. And I mean, I heard all the what ifs, but I, I believe those two words can paralyze us in fear. And I refuse to let them work together to do that. So I just walked in that building with this excitement that I can't even capture in words. And the minute that I saw everyone there and I realized that I'd made it, I'd done what I set out to do from then on, every day felt as special as that first day, especially the first day my students walked in the building and they saw me waiting for them at that bus circle door to say good morning and I'm back. I mean, those moments, I captured them on, uh, you know, with my camera, but I still have those feelings in my heart and it's something that I will forever cherish. Without having that goal and that school and my district believing in me to say, come on back, the school is yours when you're ready. I'm not quite certain I would have progressed as rapidly as I did in that recovery. Mm. It was a long and arduous recovery, but yeah. I had motivation. And it was the most special thing in the world to me. Wow. Holy cow. And that's great to hear that your district, right, was waiting on you, bringing you back. They, they had a spot for you. Wow. Incredible. You mentioned the word limitations, Merlina, and you seem to have a great sense of humor. You got a beautiful smile. You named your book, you know, Life Without Limits. Uh, you know, like, I love it. How does one without hands, Merlana, before we get to the book itself, how did you do it? What do you have a device? Did you talk to text? How did you do it? Or can you are you typing? Tell me about that. I did it all. Initially, I started out actually typing. I used my residual limbs and mm. I sat at that table and I committed to one, one hour every day. Okay. And most days it would end up being three hours because I would be so involved in my story and reliving all the moments that I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. Let me keep going. And, and finally, someone would say, you know, you need to take a break. Usually my husband, you know, I need you to take a break. And then it became uh, really physically challenging for me to keep typing with my residuals. I started feeling some pain at night. And so I said, let me look at what's out there. And then I did do speak to text and um started using some software that could allow me to speak the story and then I'd only use my hands to go back and edit. And so it was a combination of things, but I 
physically did it myself. I didn't hire anyone. No one typed it for me. No one was there to support or assist me. Mm. It was my own project that I wanted to birth and it wanted it to come from me. And so that was also another obstacle that I felt like if I overcome this and I get this out and I put these words to paper and people get to take my story with them when they leave me, then that's definitely something I wanted to do. Oh my God. Yeah. And you got multiple books here. Um, yeah. The, you know, tell me about the book. I mean, how you, you, you know, you, you signing it, you're getting it out there. Tell me about the, you know, the story in the book. Yes. So I do. And every time I'm invited to do a keynote, uh, oftentimes at conferences or whatever, there's a book signing. I hosted a few book signings in my community and um, many people then started asking me to visit their school or visit their organization or event and to bring my books. And so it became something that everyone was looking for um, when I would show up. So the first thing they say, did you bring your books? And, you know, I was surprised by that because a lot of times I felt like I was there to give a message and a word. And they said, no, people want to take you home with them. Yeah, people want to yeah. share you with others who aren't in the audience. And so that's your way to connect with people. So yes, I've done lots of book signings. I have events. And when I'm doing keynotes, I usually have uh, you know, a book signing immediately following. So it's been something very rewarding because I realized that people buy multiple copies to give to people who are going through something, who need a little inspiration. And that's the reason I wrote the book so that you could find hope and, and courage to keep going when you face your own storms. And that's, you know, it's for adults, right? People are usually, you know, but you, you took it a step further, right? It's all about the kids, a true leader. It's all about the kids. And you shared your story in a children's book as well. And you related it to a flower. Tell me about your beautiful children's book. Yeah. So Daisy, the extra special flower was a children's book that I didn't have um, a plan for what I was going to do with this book. I'd always thought about, I want to tell this story and I want to do it in a way that children could understand. My students at my school building, kindergarten, pre-K, first and second graders, were not even aware that I had prosthetic limbs. Uh, they would ask me to tie their shoes and open their milk. And I'm like, uh, I have special <laughs> hands. And so I kept thinking, how do I get them to understand? So I decided to go to each classroom and share my story. And they were curious. And in an age-appropriate way, I shared what I could. Um, I let them touch my prosthetic limbs. And they got familiar. My fifth graders actually named my prosthetic limbs Jack and Jill for my legs. <laughs> and Gretel for my hands, um, a contest to name my limbs. And so oh I was able God. to use those things in my story when I went. And then I said, you know, kids love stories and they love yes. books. Yes. So the more colorful I can make it, the brighter I can do it. And I came up with a flower because I love flowers. And I said, you know what? The flower can lose four petals as I lost four limbs. And then I can tell my story in a way that children will understand that we may be unique. We may be different but we're extra special and it's our, you know, differences that make us so wonderful. And I started telling that story wherever I would go and speak to groups of students um, across the country and the story, I put the illustrations up and tell the story and it connected with children. I mean, as young as pre-K and they would come up after to ask me questions. And so that book was actually uh, my, you know, way to, that I could reach students that in the past I found it difficult for them to understand exactly what I went through mm -hmm. and how, you know, I live life today. And I tell them, look at Daisy. She's still blooming and, and beautiful in that garden. And so am I. And so can you, you know, you can do all those things as well. So it was birthed out of me needing to be able to connect with my students.
again, a beautiful story. Uh, Marlana, I'm so inspired, uh, so inspired by you. Marlana, you, you, you know, these hurdles, these terrible situations you've gone through personally, your community where you live and have grown up uh, uh, has gone through, New Orleans has gone through so many challenges. Um, I was going to ask you about Katrina, but you're telling me now that you've had a deep impact here with, with Ida, the more recent storm down there. Tell me about how, you know, how that affected you and your family and your, and your community. Absolutely. So having lived nearby when Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, um, our school wasn't a direct impact. Our community didn't sustain a direct impact, but we were a welcoming district to displaced students. In my school, mm. I had 100 additional students that year. Oh, wow. Um, so I was aware of leading and trying to thrive and survive, you know, following a tragedy. And so I was able to not have a, you know, a direct thing to actually work on, but to support others as they were going through their recovery. And then uh, last August, uh, I was uh, someone impacted by Hurricane Ida. Our community was devastated. Uh, we took a direct hit. She, you know, that storm stayed over us for nearly 12 hours. Um, just, you know, tearing apart our community. And my home itself was uh, pretty much destroyed. Um, the structure is fine, but walls from four feet down, everything in my home uh, lost. And I am still not in my home. Uh, we've been displaced since August 29th of last year. Uh, but, you know, the entire time I've watched our community pull together, I've watched people from all over the country just show up and support each other. And, you know, I'm watching how neighbors are just helping. And still till this day, there are people saying, is there anything that you need? What can we do to support you? So as much as I gave to others during that Katrina time, it's been coming back to us. And, and my family is so grateful for the support and the love that we've received. And I'm thinking about, it's a, been a long journey, uh, almost eight months that we've been displaced, but the entire time I tried to find what's positive. What, what can I take from this? What lesson can I learn? That's what I always do. When I'm going through something, I think about what lessons can I learn from going through this? And I've learned that I thought I had resilience uh, back when I became ill and that only magnified me to be able to deal with things like this. That I say, you know what, better days are ahead. You know, you've made it through many storms. You've survived 100% of your worst days. And this is just another day in the midst of a pandemic and everything else going on. Now you have this. And I don't ever see it as what's next or what now. I always just say, where are you going now? What have you learned from this? And I just say that because we pulled together and it's such a team effort in our community and my family mm. that we're going to get through this as well. And it's we see the light at the end of the tunnel. It should be another two months and we'll be back home and, and thriving again and doing what we love to do. I love it. I wish you good luck in that. And Thanks. great to hear you being someone who helps people doing Katrina, even up here in New York, we watched that terrible thing and we love New Orleans. My wife and I have been multiple times. Um, beautiful stuff. Oh, here comes my dog, Ruby. Um, Marlana, what you mentioned about where we're going, right? You know, where are we going in education, right? We're, we're coming out of COVID, um, you know, kids, technology. Where, where are we going? Where do you see us going in the next few years? Well, I think for me, the pandemic and, and being able to support schools, not being there every single day, having to deal with the daily operations and what it takes to educate our students in this very different time, 
but I have been fortunate enough to be working with student teachers and supervising them and coaching uh, several school leaders. So I get to see and hear about the challenges, but I'm not living it firsthand. Um, but what I think is that most of the people who are successful and who are thriving now have reimagined what they do and how they do it. And the focus on uh, social emotional learning, which was something that as a principal in our school district, we put as a priority, as long as I can remember being back in the classroom as a teacher. And that, that was kind of a demand following the pandemic. And, and those schools who are successful, they realize we can't just jump into the content and, and you know start educating children and trying to close all these learning gaps or perceived learning gaps without actually addressing the trauma that many students experience and families in our community and us as the educators experience. And so I believe that if we hold on to that and we begin to build upon that and using what we can to be innovative and creative and reimagine and recreate how we educate, the thing is right now, what I'm hearing most are about shortages, staffing shortages, mm -hmm. and the number of educators who are just simply you know, saying, you know what, I can't keep doing this. I feel overwhelmed. I'm frustrated and whatever feelings they have every right to feel. But what I am holding on to, the hope that I have is that I do my part as well as every leader and every educator to remind us of our why. Why do we go into education? What's the real reason? It's our students. It's the children and, and providing them with the opportunities to have a bright future. And if we don't lose sight of that, I think we can all hold on and make it through this. And so I'm very hopeful that we'll continue to build upon the things we learned by going through the pandemic and the technology that we were forced sometimes to learn and how do we incorporate it now in a way that we can provide more equitable opportunities for all students. And are we addressing the needs of our students and, and the trauma that they have experienced and are experiencing? And what are we going to do to stop playing the blame game and start working together collectively to make sure that every student succeeds every single day. So I'm real hopeful that we build upon the things we've learned by going through something so uh, you know challenging and, and continues to be something that we're faced with. And how are we gonna come out of this is by pulling together. And I'm surely hoping that our community and, and the world that when the pandemic first hit, educators were the, you know, the superstars, right? The superheroes, and then quickly that faded and we're dealing with some issues about you know how we respect our educators how do we show them what we you know feel about them and the hard work that they do to keep our schools running and we've got to get back to doing that to those feelings of you know what we can't do it without the people in the classroom and the people who support those in the classroom and and so i'm really hopeful that we can as leaders uh guide our staff and, and our faculty through these challenging times but keep the focus on Look at the impact that you have and that children remember you forever because mm -hmm. of the work that you do and never lose sight of that. So that's what I am. I'm hopeful about building upon the successes that we've had and uh, not letting the challenges uh, break us, that we work together. Amen. Great answer there, Merlina. Uh, Merlina had a great chance to meet Rachel George out of Oregon, and she wrote a book called She Leads uh, mm -hmm. about empowering women leaders. and. You know, you look at the setbacks that you've had in your life, but you are a strong women leader. You are a strong woman of color in leadership. How do, how do we support not only women, but specifically women of color? You know, how can someone who's not a black woman support 
women of color in leadership? What, you know, what are some things there that you would say? Well, for me, it is about, um, I guess for me, it was, I owned my power. I, I recognize every single day the uh, opportunities that I had to make a difference and to be the difference in the lives of others. And so for me, the support comes from just being there, um, being able to, you know, unconditionally work together uh, mm. and to see things from a common perspective, to be open, um, to hear my story and to not judge or to not try to make light of what we go through and struggle through as people of color. Um, and as you know, so much right now in this country is being politicized about um, our history and, and what we've been through. And so many times we can't even come to common ground because we're so busy focusing on our differences. Yeah. And why, you know, I should feel this way, why you should feel this way, why you need to be understand. And I think sometimes we just need to sit back and listen um, and listen with the intent to understand, not to respond. Because so many times I'm sharing things that I've been through that I know are unique to me and my struggles. And someone's already thinking about what they can respond, how they can respond and defend their position instead of just being open to what I'm truly sharing and my feelings, because mm -hmm. they're my feelings. And, and so they're real for me. So the most you could do for me is to be open, to be ready to have these courageous conversations where we share our truths without feeling like we're being judged and that we walk away knowing that in that moment, we may disagree, agree to disagree, and then we need to move forward together because the only way we're going to actually move forward as leaders, no matter what our background is, is by working together. So to me, it's about the listening, the understanding, the being open and the least we do to um, judge and to try to put our own uh, you know, background into your context the better, because I think that everybody has their own unique perspective and we need to be open to that. We need to be able to learn from each other. And I think that comes from just being truly authentic and genuine when you share and when you listen. Uh, for me, I've been very fortunate that the people I've encountered who've been my mentors or the people I've actually mentored, we have that kind of trust where we can be honest and um, you know, just share everything, our raw truths, but then we walk away going, you know what, that was that moment, and now we're moving forward. So that's kind of the things that I've had to experience as I've been on this journey. You are the real deal. You are an amazing person and leader, and that was a beautiful answer. Uh, and that's something I'm working on. I got a big mouth, right? It's not about the response, it's about me absorbing it and taking it in and, and supporting that person. So beautiful answer. Marlana, what, what is something I didn't ask you about that you want to talk about? Um, I just think for me that a lot of times I feel like the reason that we get stuck and the we reason that it's difficult for us to move past challenging times is because we want to stay stuck right there in the moment um, of when, you know, I'm feeling sorry for myself or people expected me to host all these pity parties and you know, give pity snacks and pity punch out and say, come join me, woe is me. Mm. But sometimes we gotta be able to let that moment stay a moment and realize that it's almost what I call my comma moment. When I'm reading a sentence and I get to a comma, I stop, right? And I process up until the comma, what did that mean? 
But then if I want to get the meaning of the whole sentence, what do I need to do? I need to read to the end of that sentence, right? So sometimes we get stuck right there in something that was intended to be a moment and we make it a life sentence. But for me, I put things in context. Yes, I'm dealing with this struggling time or this, you know, adversity in the moment, but I already know I've made it through and I've overcome so much in life, not just the accomplishments I'm grateful for, but what I've overcome. And then I think about, so I can make it through this one as well. And I start to convince myself that I can prove what's possible in the face of what's impossible. Um, that I think I lost so much, my limbs, uh, I lost you know, my independence for the most part. I nearly lost my life and my life's work, but I wake up every day, Andrew, feeling like a winner. And people sometimes find that hard to believe. And I think it's because I realize that life is what you make it and you decide the kind of day that you will have. I have a Monday morning mentality, which means I feel as excited on Monday morning as I do on Friday afternoon before a long holiday. I'm excited about everything I get to do in life. And I think it's because my life has always been about service. And so I just want people to know that don't let the moment, the time that we're in, the struggle that we face, uh, the challenge that's in front of us be what stops us from doing what we're supposed to do in life. And that is to serve others and to be of service to others and figuring out how our life brings benefit and impact to the lives of others. And if you live that way, you can't wake up any day feeling sad or feeling sorry for yourself. You just wake up every day saying today is a good day because I only have good days. Wow. Amen. Again, Amen. another another great answer, Marlena. I got this. We got to get this message out. We, uh, you know, I want to send this show high and far, but uh, you are something special, and I appreciate you. I appreciate your message. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go rapid fire uh, here. I know up here in New York, we go a little faster, but I know you're with me. I'm with you. <laughs> you're with me. She's ready to go. This is rapid fire, Marlena. Quick answer. First thing that comes to your head. Are you ready? I am ready. She's ready. She's ready for anything. She's the real deal. All right, last book you read? Uh, Becoming by Michelle Obama. Mm. Last movie you saw? It would be Home Team, the Sean Payton show, the Sean Payton story, my hometown coach. And I saw a video with him there, and, and you got hooked up with him and yeah. Home Team. Okay. I love him. Yeah, he's moved on though, right? He said, yeah, yeah. We, we, we are making it through. We're going to hope for the best. You know, you, you said style and grace when they had that terrible call go against them some years ago and he knew they got robbed. I, uh, I admired how he uh, kind of handled that, you know. It was tough for all of us. Yes, it was a bad, bad call. All right, we're talking New Orleans. What's your favorite dish there, Marlena? Anything with seafood. Anything. Shrimp, crawfish, I am ready. Mm. Favorite place to travel? California. I love the West Coast. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, a journal or a blog or a daily reading you subscribe to? Uh, for me, I look for anything inspirational, but uh, the one that I follow consistently is by a friend and colleague of mine, Principal Kafele writes all about education leadership. He's a man. Yeah. 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 Uh, so an insensitive comment someone's made to you about your situation that you turned it around and gave him a, gave him a snap back. Something funny. Um, I'll tell you one. Somebody said you really can't be that happy uh, without your limbs. 
because they didn't believe the message I was sharing. And, and my first thought was to respond with, well, how can you be that unhappy with all of your limbs? But I did. <laughs> I just gave him one of those teachable moments and let him know that I am who I am. And I'll continue to do that on this journey. Wow. I'm sure you've heard some insensitive oh. comments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, God bless you. Uh, what's your favorite stress reliever? My favorite stress reliever is journaling. I like to write down what I'm going through and then I can look back at it and say, wow, that was a tough day, but look at what you did. So I kind of like to journal uh, whenever I'm feeling stressed, just take time to decompress by getting it all out. Yeah. And I'm definitely writing a blog about our connection here, but I would invite you, Milana, you want to write a, uh, something for my blog? I would love to have you, Thank you. Uh, and get that message out. But I, I've written down two or three things. I love what you said about the comma. That was great. <laughs> Um, what are two recent victories that you want to share? One would be that a major organization uh, in uh, Texas, the state of Texas, uh, invited me back as their keynote again for the exact same group because the um, organizer said in her 41 years of putting on this conference that no one moved the audience like I did. So that was a victory for me to know that I get a repeat performance. Uh, because she said I was, you know, the best she'd heard as far as inspiring and motivating people. And then I think the other would be, um, let me think of another victory, hmm. that I'm getting to coach a principal that was once a, a teacher uh, in my school. So uh, I'm excited to be able to do that, to watch that full circle moment. Home run. And that your yeah. first one, that is, right? When they have you back, you know you hit the mark. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Um you are an extremely positive person. What's the pet peeve of yours? What's something that gets under your skin? You can imagine chronic, mindless complaining. Mm. People complaining about stuff they have no control over. That is my pet peeve. Yeah. Uh, someone gave me a mini violin. <laughs> Sorry, well, here's a, a little I like that. <laughs> yeah, a uh, yeah little, little violin. <laughs> uh, on 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings, I feel, fill in the blank energized yeah um, but quite honestly every day is saturday for me when you're retired <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why i'm energized because i'm thinking about you know everything i can do over the weekend so energized best purchase under 100 bucks that has had a great impact on your life for me i'm a reader and so it was um robin roberts book mm. uh, and everybody's got something and it helped me to kind of put things in perspective, looking at her story. She's from our area um, and to see her success and how she overcame her battle with cancer and yeah. she's thriving. And, yeah. you know, I think about some of the words in there that stuck with me, that optimism is like a muscle and it gets stronger with use. And I just feel like that book really took me to another level. I did not know she was from your area. Yeah optimism is like a muscle i love it uh if you were if i were to visit your hometown i know you live outside in a little north of new orleans where you know where are you taking me and why i come from a small country town andrew and so we don't have a grocery store we have no fast food we have like nothing so what i would take you to see would be the, le the levy that keeps the mississippi river in check mm. and i would take you up there to let you see um from that viewpoint where I grew up and how beautiful it is. Mm, beautiful. Maybe we'll do that one day, Marlena. How yeah. about New Orleans? Where's your favorite spot to visit in New Orleans? So there's this park on the riverfront called Woldenburg Park. It's directly behind our city's aquarium. And it is where all of the steamboats 
and the cruise mm. ships are parked. Mm. And I just love walking along that corridor and watching the river and the traffic on the river. It's just beautiful. Mm. That sounds nice. Something about uh, Marlena Valentine, uh, Valentine that people do not know about. One of my main goals that's still on my list is that I want to be on the prices, right? I want to come on down <laughs> with Drew Carey. People don't realize I will tape and record the prices, right? Every <laughs> single day. And uh, many people laugh because they say, that's how we know you're retired and you're getting up there in age because the prices, right, is your priority. Yes, it is. All right. Let's make that happen. We get that word out. Yes. Uh, how long does it take, Marlana? You from the moment you get up to the moment you on camera? How long does the whole thing take? Two hours. Oh. Um, I cannot get anywhere quickly. We get up at five a.m. Uh, mm. to get ready for our day. It takes two hours from makeup and hair and uh, putting on my prosthetic limbs and getting everything going. So I, I take a significant amount of time with support and help for my husband to get ready to face the day ahead. So that's why I tell people, you know, I don't look like what I've been through and you don't even realize what you see before you is not how I wake up in the morning, but you know what? I'm grateful. I got that makeup artist and hairstylist getting me ready and everybody wishes they could have that. He does a good job. He does. <laughs> Marlana, uh, obviously you're speaking around the country. How can people get in, in touch with you? What's the best way? Absolutely. So I'm on every social media, Merlina Valentine. I am on Twitter at Merlina Inspires. And my website is Shero, S-H-E-R-O, Valentine.net. And you can contact me via any one of those, um, you know, means. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've heard your message, uh, you know, live on a virtual thing. Uh, I would highly recommend you. And and I, I mean, I can't tell you how filled I feel right now just to be with you for this short time. And it truly, right? People, you mentioned about complaining. My, it's just something they, and you look at what you're doing. And uh, to you and your husband, I, I salute you. And I certainly thank you for coming on. I, it has been my pleasure. You know, anytime I get the opportunity to share and to think that I might reach one more person and to realize that my words can heal people one heart at a time, I'm honored to be a part of it. And so I thank you for the opportunity, Andrew. It's been really uh, a great morning. Yeah. And your words uh, are, are, they spread, right? I, I haven't physically been around you, Merlana, but it's not just your words, it's your heart, your smile, yeah. your spirit, uh, your leadership. So I commend you and uh, I look forward when we can uh, meet in person. Um, this is Merlina Valentine. Certainly check her out on all of the uh, things she said, including her website. And I'm going to connect with you on Twitter, uh, Merlina, as well. So we're going to sign off here on show number 202. I'm Andrew Murata. I'm at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. And certainly I, I recommend you reach out to Merlina. Um, I'm going to get the kids book and, and try to get that uh, in our school library as well um, there. So uh, Merlina, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Uh, stay on the line a second. Uh, have a blessed holiday. And again, thank you for uh, tuning in for the podcast, everyone. We are signing off here on show number 202. Keep surviving and thriving.